has been around for roughly 30 years, a program that was contemplated by Congress to encourage foreign investment in the United States. And in exchange, uh, those foreign investors would be permitted to earn their their immigration status, given that they create a certain number of jobs. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, Reed Goosens here, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for dropping by and tuning in and continuing to grow your investing knowledge of U.S. real estate. Each week, we come to you live from Los Angeles, California, talking about all things related to U.S. real estate investing and how you too can successfully break into the U.S. market as an international investor, just like I did. Each episode, we'll be interviewing industry leaders, real estate entrepreneurs, and good old-fashioned go-getters who can help provide you the tools to start successfully investing in the U.S. So let's get into today's show. Today's show is all about EB5 financing and how both international investors and real estate developers can benefit from the program. And the gentleman in the hot seat here to walk us through the A to Z of EB5 financing is Mr. Andrew Polsky. G'day, Andrew, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Andrew's background is in investment banking and has worked on a wide range of distinguished financial institutions from Merrill Lynch to smaller boutique firms such as Euro-Pacific Capital. Andrew has also raised over $300 million at both the institutional and retail level for different asset classes and risk portfolios. To top it all off, Andrew is a seasoned entrepreneur with a diverse background in deal structuring, management, and consulting, working on startup businesses with TV personalities such as Damon John from Shark Tank and Scott Case from Priceline. Andrew, that's very, very impressive. Can you elaborate a little bit more about uh, your deals that you've done with Damon and Scott? Sure. So... When I was a grad student at Babson College, um, Babson is for somewhere around 25 years running, 25 to 30 years running is the number one entrepreneurship school in the world. Because the school has such a good reputation in the field of entrepreneurship, we get access as students, we get access to a lot of very interesting entrepreneurial opportunities. And there are a lot of uh, successful entrepreneurs like Damon John and Mr. Case who want to be part of that, that Babson network. And as such, they include students like us on the projects that they work on. Right. And Mr. Case is actually the, uh, the, the co-founder of an incubator program that allows new businesses that are trying to get up and running, provides them with tons of resources, financial resources, a core of, of senior executives around the world who can help them. Um, from with everything from technology to strategy planning to you know all all of all of the things that that a new entrepreneur needs and a lot of entrepreneurs have have a, a base of knowledge that may not include a lot of the uh, the skills that are required to to be successful. So we were included with a program that Mr. Case started, where programs new new uh, new companies applied for scholarships and and for help from 
Damon John, Mr. Case, and a, a, a small group of, of absent students. So as, as our, our group of three students, we had the honor of being able to work with those two gentlemen and help a new company from sort of their startup phase into being a cash flow positive, productive company. It was a, it was a new skateboard company mm-hmm. um, that had built a proprietary engineering product that was basically like a, a, a motorized skateboard. It was pretty cool. Wow, like a boosted board? That's the company. <laughs> Is that interesting? I love yeah. I love those boards. I want to get myself one. <laughs> yeah, that's them. <laughs> so, Andrew, that's in, uh, it's incredible. But before we jump into it, can you tell the listeners something that most people might not know about you, unrelated to real estate entrepreneurship? I love to sail. Okay, that's that's uh, my 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 lifetime goal is to actually not work, but to actually <laughs> just sail around the world. So right. first, I first I need to take my Mariners courses, but that's something about me a lot of people probably don't know. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. So with that being said, can you give the listeners a little bit more in-depth look at your background and really what motivated you to go down the path of becoming a successful entrepreneur and starting your own business? Sure. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, ever, ever since I was a little kid, I always started little businesses, found ways to make money, not because I care all that much about money, but mm-hmm. because I like to work for myself. I like to have the liberty of doing whatever I want every single day of my life right. and and pursuing you know, financial freedom for my family. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's what this is all about for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I'm also not a very good employee. Um, <laughs> I know that about myself. I know that to be true. I know that I'm a, a better manager than I am in, in employee. Right. And I've worked in the corporate world and it has its merits, but it's just not the life I seek for myself. That's fantastic. I, I love your why of why you do what you're doing. And that is to create financial freedom for your family. We're on this show. We're a huge proponent of creating financial freedom and understanding people's why is really, really important um, to help you on the path towards success and, and, and sort of setting up those roadblocks to help you understand where you need to be going in life, whether that be in real estate in, investing or in business investing or startup or being your own boss. It's uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So listeners, as I've already mentioned on today's show is all about understanding EB5 financing and how it benefits both international investors, business entrepreneurs, real estate developers, and the US economy. So Andrew, for all those listeners out there who have no idea what the EB5 program is, can you walk us through the background and the associated benefits? Sure. The EB5 program has been around for roughly 30 years. It's mm-hmm. a program that was contemplated by Congress to encourage foreign investment in the United States. And in exchange, uh, those foreign investors would be permitted to earn their their immigration status, given that they create a certain number of jobs. Right. Um, it, it was originally sort of designed for direct equity investment into small companies. And along the way, it has morphed into um, a, a, a very similar, but yet very different program from where it started 30 years ago. EB-5 has really only become known to the, the mainstream financial markets probably in the last 10 years. And in the last few years has really gained a lot of ground. You know, in, in all of my dealings, I, I still come across people who are not familiar with EB-5. But generally speaking, everybody knows a little, a little bit about it, enough <laughs> to be dangerous. But the real sophisticated bankers that I, that I work with, they now know and understand EB-5 as well as anybody. So it, it really has come a long way, and it is a mainstream tool. Okay. 
Well, that's the whole reason why I got you on the show today was to sure. demystify any sort of misinformation that might be out there about EB5 financing and just really understanding its background and the associated benefits for everyone involved. Are there minimum requirements that a project must meet to qualify for EB5 financing? Yes, absolutely. So in my last comment, you know, I mentioned that, that it, it's a, a job creating program, right? Mm-hmm. Every, every, every investor must create a certain number of jobs. That is the, the goal, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is every investor, every, depending on where the, in, the investment is made, whether it's a half million dollar threshold or a million dollar threshold, requires that each investor creates 10 jobs, 10 permanent jobs. And the way that those jobs are calculated varies based on different characteristics of the project, where it's located, the duration of the project, whether it's a construction project, whether it's a, an operating business, all of those, those various variables come into play and determine what that job creation number is. Um, and that is, that is the most important piece of, of EB-5. Without job creation, there is no immigration status. There is no investor. Right, right, right. So, Andrew, you alluded to just then in, in your comment that there's two types of thresholds. You know, you, you mentioned a million, uh, half a million dollars and a million dollars. I know a little bit about EB-5 financing. Is there, uh, depending on the location of the project, is there a certain uh, minimum entry requirement for that capital to be invested? There is. Again, so, so one of the other goals of the program is to, to encourage investment in areas where there's higher unemployment. Right. right. So every city is potentially a candidate. Every area is potentially a candidate for EB-5 investment. The question is, is what is the unemployment rate? If an area has one and a half times the national average of unemployment, mm-hmm. it qualifies for the lower threshold of $500,000. Right. Otherwise, the investment threshold is a million dollars. And that's calculated a number of ways. And from state to state, it differs. Mm-hmm. So in the state of California, you can cobble together a huge number of census tracts and, mm-hmm. and you're essentially gerrymandering an area so that you can cobble together census tracts where there's, there's a higher rate of unemployment with mm-hmm. census tracts where there's lower unemployment. Mm-hmm. And, and together you drag the unemployment up to a certain rate. And then that permits you to invest in that area. So for example, we've been able to create a TEA out of Beverly Hills. And this actually leads to an air of change that's going on in the EB-5 world right now. There, there have been a number of bills that have been submitted in Congress to change how these TEAs, that's what this is, a targeted employment area, that's mm-hmm. what permits the $500,000 investment, right. how these TEAs are actually calculated. Right. Because like I just said, we've been able to create a TEA at Beverly Hills, and that's not what the program was designed for. Right. So, right, right. so there, are, there are changes on the horizon at this time, we don't know what those changes will be. Uh, we expect them to be significant, but mm-hmm. uh, the program will still be around in, in some shape or form. So the, the TEA in Beverly Hills, was you said that project could qualify for a half a million dollar threshold rather than the million dollar threshold, correct? And under the current program formulations, yeah. That's interesting. Correct. Very interesting. And Andrew, is there a minimum requirements that, that an investor must meet before they can enter into the program? They, they must be accredited investors. Okay. So they must be, and these are all international. So they, that may, is that the same accreditation as, you know, it needs to be earning over $200,000 or, or, or have a net worth of more than a million. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And we're a fund manager, right? So right. as a fund manager, all of our, all of our investors, whether, whether domestic or international must be 
must meet the same criteria and they all, they all must be accredited investors. Right. And, and that, and that is consistent across the board. That's not just with our firm. And can you explain a little bit more about what a regional center is? Um, I'm sure if you, if everyone Googles EB5 financing, the first thing that comes up is a lovely little flow chart and up there is an, a regional center. So what is a regional center? Sure. That's pretty, pretty basic. A regional center is a business that has been qualified by United States Citizenship and Immigration Services mm-hmm. to sponsor projects in TEAs. Okay. So in terms of could a third-party company, does that act as an intermediary between distributing the EB-5 financing to the different projects that uh, that require it? No, they are more of an administrator. Okay. And, and some projects, the GP of the project mm-hmm. – is, is actually the regional center itself. Right, 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 right. And, right. and so, you know, the, the program's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. right? There are over 400 regional centers that have been approved by USCIS. Right. And so what that means is some of these regional centers that were approved mm-hmm. for the use for, of their own project have now, you know, either that project was successful, mm-hmm. either the project was defunct, what, whatever the case may be, those, those regional centers are in existence. And so now there are so many regional centers that if, if you're interested in doing a project in a different area of the country from where your regional center is, mm-hmm. if you are a regional center, mm-hmm. or, or if you're like us, you rent out regional centers, okay. um, we can go anywhere we want in the country where there are regional centers. Right. And wherever we want to go, there are regional centers. The question is, is how many of them are there and do we want to work with them? So... You know, essentially, as you just said to before, the GP or, or, or a real estate developer could act as a real as, a, as the regional center themselves, and then distribute the EB five financing to project in Long Beach or a project in you know down the road in Long Beach. So it's different. They act as the, the, the also the the person who oversees the project, but also as the developer themselves. Precisely, and as the fund manager, not acting as the regional center, we distribute the. That we disperse the capital. Okay. So if, if I'm a regional center, who acts between the as a link between the regional center and the actual foreign investors? Me, you. The, the, fund, the fund manager. Okay, the fund manager. And so do you then go out and create those relationships with people who want to get a visa or go in the lottery to become a citizen of the United States and you meet with them or meet with, with groups of them to get them actively involved in these uh, in these deals? We do not interface with our investors directly. Mm-hmm. We're not a broker dealer, and that industry is is very well established in China. Mm-hmm. So, so as as a as an American, I, I say in China because mm-hmm. that's where eighty five percent of of EB five capital comes from. Wow! The networks that raise capital are established in Korea, Vietnam, um, in, in the Middle East, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Asia, uh, other parts of Asia, and those networks are the ones that that raise money because. They're actually in the, in the immigration business, right? So these are immigration agencies who have clients that come to them and say, I want to come to the United States. What's available to me? And so they represent projects like ours. So we establish relationships with, with the right people in the value chain who can bring the investors to us. They don't, they, they don't want to talk to us origi- originally anyway because there's trust issues, right? They trust people that, that they know. They trust their friends. They trust their family. They trust people who have invested in projects with folks like us, and, and they want to talk to those people first. Their number one priority is earning their immigration status. So they want, they want the most secure project they can find that will guarantee their immigration status. Now, we live in a world where there's a lot of money chasing a lot of deals, and that isn't always possible. 
there's a lot of brain damage that goes into creating an EB-5 deal. But that is offset by the benefit of how you can use EB-5 capital, right? There are a lot of projects that, you know, if, 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 you're, not, if you're not building, you know, a desperately needed hotel in Manhattan or, uh, or, or you know, a, a huge multifamily in downtown L.A., as, a, as the sponsor, you don't have all the resources in the world. EB-5 capital can be extremely useful for you. EB-5 capital often requires fewer dollars out of the sponsor. It can fill a part of the capital stack that's more difficult to fill in that mezzanine position and a greater portion of it. And it can act as, it can act as equity. Interesting. Interesting. So that sort of gives me into the next, my next question is, so what type of returns does EB-5 financing typically expect on the debt side and then on the equity side? Yeah, that is always the big question, right? Anytime anybody asks, well, I've heard that Chinese money is cheap. That's not necessarily the case any longer, right? And, and this value chain understands its value. And so no longer is Chinese money going to be had at 2% like it once was. And often that's the expectation. And a lot of project sponsors are disappointed when they hear that it is close to market rates, if not market rates. The, the value isn't necessarily in the price of the money, which often it is, right? I mean, I should clarify, often this money is significantly cheaper than market, but really the real value is in the flexibility of the money. Okay, that's interesting. So if we looked at a, tip, a hypothetical situation of a capital stack, say a project needs 10 million bucks worth of financing, both debt mm-hmm. and equity, say the debt portion is, we'll just for ease sake, say $7 million. And, and of that, we go out and get EB-5 financing. Does the EB-5 financing have to make up the entire $7 million or does, you know, can you go and say do a $4 million on EB-5 and then you go get additional conventional uh, debt mm-hmm. with $3 million bucks, you know, and then you get private equity for the, for, the other, for the final $3 million? Yeah, the second option is really how this, this unfolds. Because to, to, to expect $7 million out of a $10 million budget mm-hmm. from EB-5 capital assumes an explosive amount of job creation, right? Because right. don't forget that the amount of money that we can raise is dictated by the job creation. Right. And, and generally speaking, a project is not going to create enough jobs to finance more than, let's say, 50 to 60%. Tops, tops. Oftentimes, it's somewhere in the 30 to 50% range. Okay, interesting, interesting. So then in that, and you, know, you talk about senior debt before, so who would then on the conventional side take second position to an EB-5 financing on that sort of capital stack? So say of the 10 million, we, you, you, as you just said, it's sort of the, the project's only got to really create 10 jobs per million, mm-hmm. so 30 mm-hmm. jobs, so it's let's say 3 million bucks. And then you've got to go get you know the, the, the remaining uh, $4 million to make up you know the mm-hmm. debt side of it. Who's sure. in first position? That's really for the sponsor to decide how they want to use this money. If they want to use the EB-5 capital in a mezzanine position, mm-hmm. they'll get a cheaper rate on mezzanine capital than they normally would. Right. Um, and they can, they can fill a huge portion of the stack with cheap mezzanine capital if they want. Right. And, and often it's, it's, it's very cheap. The EB-5 money can actually be used as equity, treated as equity in a debt format, right? So don't forget that the EB-5 can be used for, not just for real estate construction projects, it can be used for actual operating businesses. Mm -hmm. So when I say that, you know, EB-5 can be a senior loan or a mezzanine loan or or as equity, don't forget that I'm also talking about financing a, a McDonald's franchise. And so when I say that they might, that they want to be in a senior position, well, 
you know, that may not actually pan out on some real estate construction projects because it just doesn't work for the senior lender or it doesn't right. work for the, yep. for the subordinate lender. Yep. So it's, okay. it's a case, case by case basis. We want to get as much security as we possibly can, mm-hmm. but it's pretty well understood that EB5 capital will often subordinate. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. In an ideal scenario, it wants to be senior, but you're seeing it mainly as a subordinate to something else, to another more senior debt. Yeah. Again, on a case by case basis, right. but we'll do everything we can to try to get that senior position. If we can, if we can raise enough money mm-hmm. to put ourselves in that spot mm-hmm. and provide that capital at a good rate, then, then we want to be there. Okay, Andrew. So can you tell a little, a little bit more about uh, how your company works and how it works with EB5 investors? You alluded to a little bit earlier, but just want to elaborate a little bit more. So we're a fund manager, right? just like any other fund manager in the United States who, who manages real estate projects, um, investments. We're registered with the SEC in FINRA in the state mm-hmm. of California. And our investors purchase limited partnership units mm-hmm. in a limited partnership that is designed specifically for the project they're investing in. Um, this is not a general investment fund that is ongoing and open to new investors. It is for this project and this project only. Right. We, we create a PPM offering for the specific project, mm-hmm. and everything is disclosed to our investors day one. Mm-hmm. They know what they're getting. They know what the investment is. They know what their risks are. They purchase the units, and then the fund closes. A deal-by-deal basis, and, right. and you act as that, that management sort of side of it. That's absolutely correct, yeah. So can you also, uh, how would your company aid an international investor to break into the US market, even if they didn't want to use the EB-5 program? Do you have many clients like that who are just like, you know, we, we just we just like the the opportunities in the United States and the return on the money rather mm-hmm. than um, the actual EB-5 program? So they don't really care about the, the immigration stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, you know how it is. When, when, when you're in the business and you're on the phone all the time, you, you, you get asked for a lot of help in areas that you may not really focus on, right? right? So so we have project sponsors that come to us and just ask us if we know where we can find some additional capital. Mm-hmm. We have we have investors who come to us and, and ask if we just know of any good projects. They may not be EB-5 related because they may already have their immigration status. They may not be interested in their immigration status. There may right. be a whole host of reasons why they just want to be investors. We can sort of help make marriages in that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. So you're making introductions and stuff. That. Sure, sure. Right, right, right. So we've already touched briefly on it and we're talking a lot about the real estate stuff because this is a real estate podcast, but can we talk a little bit about how the EB-5 program can be used to fund a business? You mentioned before the McDonald's franchise. How does that work? How does a business qualify? A business qualifies in that there, there are certain businesses that it's, it's well known that they employ a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Restaurants employ a lot of people. Hotels right. employ a lot of people. Right. So those are businesses that really ensure that the jobs will be created and thus the immigration status will be had. So, so investors are open to those concepts, especially with brands that they know, Mm -hmm. right? Hotel flags that they know, restaurant brands that they know, tutoring schools for little kids that they, you know, brands they've heard of. Um, those, those kinds of, of businesses are in the marketplace now and there will be more of them. And, you know, those, those are, are deals that, that we also look for. Right. That every that everybody looks for. Okay. And, and in terms of the startup world, you know, your great background of, of in in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. does does EB five program or so should I say, does any startups qualify for EB five financing? Given the fact that you might have a product coming to market that you just know is going to employ a lot of people, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you can sort of project that it's going to have, you know, four or 500, you know, jobs. I, I know, I know people who have started startup companies mm-hmm. in the, in the cleaning business and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that inherently is going to employ a lot of people because their, their whole business is about cleaning offices or cleaning houses. So sure. that startup, you know, you can prove that that's, that's the business model. Startups are tough. Mm-hmm. Startups are tough because, because there's a lot of management risk and what, what investors want to see as, as I mentioned before, is since they're not, they're not looking for that financial return necessarily, mm-hmm. they really want to make sure that the jobs will be created. And if there's business risk, then they, they're not really going to be interested in that. Right. They, they want to see proven managers, mm-hmm. right? So, so when I say the, the McDonald's franchise, they want to invest in, a, in someone who's opened up 10 other McDonald's franchises, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. They, they don't want the new guy who, who just left his job at the bank and, and is going to go start a business. <laughs> I will. I, I, I hear you on that. And so then I <laughs> guess that, that is, that sort of leads me to the next question is sort of how does anyone, you'd obviously have to get a few runs on the board. If you're a real estate developer, you've got to get a few good runs on the board before you can sort of say to go to start to EB5 program, say, Hey, I'd like to use you on my next deal. You can't just go and say, Hey, I've, yeah, I've never really, I'm about to do a, a ground up construction of a hundred units or whatever it is. Uh, are you interested? It's like, well, what's your background? Oh, I, you know, this is my first major deal. Oh, mm-hmm. like that. Is that mm-hmm. not, not correct? It is. Yeah. They want, they want to see a track record. They want right. to see a track record, but, but as a sponsor, if you're not really too involved in it, then, then again, it's going to be on a case by case basis, right? Mm-hmm. If, if the project is, is in a, in a, is in a fantastic area, um, the, the, the other participants in, in that deal have a track record, right? Right. And, you know, the equity, the equity investor is just that it's just a source of capital and they're letting others take over the deal, then that's not a problem. Okay. So Andrew, with that being said, what has been your biggest learning experience to date that has shaped your success in the U.S. market? I would say that it, it's being an active manager. And, and that means, you know, everything from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also, I've, I've always been a, a real estate lender myself. I've always I've always loaned to people who rehab homes and, you know, the same concept they're doing small loans really translates to all the business that I've ever done. And that is that if you're not actively managing, if you're not participating, if you're not, if you're not doing the work that somebody needs to do, mm-hmm. then you're losing money. You're leaving money on the table. Right, right, right. And, and, and that's not just paying people's salaries, but it's actually producing a product that is better than what somebody else will produce because it's yours. Right. Okay. So, so yeah. being an active manager and making sure you're doing all the small stuff as well as the big stuff to ensure that, uh, as you said, no money's left on the table. Yeah, I think so. Good, good. L- looking forward, what are you doing to build on your business or looking towards the future? What are you doing to build your business and grow as a real estate entrepreneur uh, here in the US? I'm talking to people on the phone. That's, that is, if I'm not talking to people on the phone, I'm not learning. I'm not meeting new people. I'm not, I'm not learning about the marketplace. I'm not learning about what, what opportunities there are out there to guide my business and, and to, you know, find other ways to, to leverage my knowledge base. So that's, that's what I'm looking to do. Fantastic. Love it. Great stuff. So Andrew, with all your experience in finding international investors to fund US projects and businesses, I know you're primed to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Oh boy. What's the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? 
most successful habit, I would say, is making a point to be on the phone. What's the most influential tool you use in your business and why? <laughs> most influential tool? My mm-hmm. phone. My phone. <laughs> You'd be, be surprised how many people say that on this show. You get a lot, a lot of people saying phone. Some people say Excel, but I, you know, a lot of people say their phone. <laughs> What's the most exciting project you're working on right now? We are in the process of financing the acquisition and and rehab of a couple of schools up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. a couple of private schools. Okay. So that's that's an interesting project for us, and and I really like the education space because I like I like the people that I get to work with. I get to work with educators. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really satisfying, and and knowing that that we're putting together some some uh, campuses for kids to get a good education. You know, makes kind of. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah. And Andrew, who is the most influential person in your career? Uh, I would say probably my wife. Okay. She's a she's a hard worker, and you know she's a great mom. So <laughs> fantastic. I, yeah, I have a good role model there. Good, good stuff. And last question is: What's your best U.S. deal you've done to date? Man, I I would say that there is no best deal for me. It, okay. For me, it's it's every. I've, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've been through a lot of tough times and I know that when things aren't going well, you know, you work hard, things will get better. And for me, every small victory is a big victory. Right. So even victories where I might not necessarily make money, where I learn something, where I find yeah. an opportunity, where I meet somebody, you know, those are all victories for me. And as an entrepreneur, I have to, I have to consider all of those victories to be big because it, 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 it opens up my life right, right. It, it creates the opportunity for me so right fantastic i appreciate that that's 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 great those small tiny steps uh looking back and and just uh, acknowledging that they're victories as well as you said even though if you don't make money but you learn something along the way yes. so andrew finally where can people reach you to continue the conversation we can be reached we have a, a website our fund management company is called american secured capital mm-hmm and that's americansecuredcapital.com. And that's a good place to start to learn about us and what we do. And we've got contact information there. And we're always available. Well, Andrew, the EV5 program is really an interesting way to connect a project, a business, wealth, and the U.S. economy. I know I'll be looking to use this type of financing in the future on some of my real estate deals. Uh, Andrew, you really know your stuff when it comes to EB5 financing, and you gave all the listeners some incredible insider info on the program and demystified the entire process and helped really just clarify some misinformation. Thanks for dropping by and chatting with us, and we'll catch up soon. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, the ins and outs of EB5 financing and how it benefits not only international investors in obtaining immigration status, but also the local economy by providing jobs and aiding entrepreneurs with their projects. If you may have a project that could qualify for EB5 financing, drop Andrew an email. Uh, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to talk about it. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Andrew and any links that we mentioned on today's show. A summary of the conversation will go up on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com. Just click on the podcast tab. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in and continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge. I hope you got a lot out of today's show. To continue the conversation with us, follow us on Facebook and Twitter by searching RSM Property Group. And remember to leave an iTunes review below as it really would have helped grow our international listener community who want to break into the US. For this episode and many more, search for an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate wherever you podcast. So until next week, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. 